Don't ever let somebody tell you you can't do something. You don't understand. And I guess any day now, they're going to try to impeach Trump because uh, Michael Cohn somehow was caught trying to bribe some fucking website to fix polling numbers. I I don't even know. Um, But I'm going to go in a little bit of a different direction, staying in politics, but maybe not going so current. And I wish I can say I actually came up with this uh, this episode on my own. I think I did, but... I'm reading this book right now by uh, Ronald Kessler called First Family Detail, where they explain a little bit about what the Secret Service does to protect our greatest dignitaries, presidents, vice presidents, first children, first ladies. And it uh, I guess it, it led me down the road of LBJ. Um, I'm not that old, so, um, touching 40 soon. So when I, you say LBJ today, people think fucking LeBron James. <laughs> they do not think, uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson. So I figured, hey, let me go do some of the research and see what's going on with our 36th president. So, um, you know, I'm big on my titles. So this episode is called LBJ, the blessing and Banes on blacks. So here we go. LBJ, Lyndon B., or Baines Johnson served as the 36th president of the United States and uh, served very fucking well. Um, assuming the presidency after one of the most horrific assassinations uh, in the United States, the killing of our president, John F. Kennedy and, in fucking Houston or Dallas or wherever. Um, yeah, man, you know, I mean, everybody who knows anything about anything, um, knows that fucking John F. Kennedy was shot in the back of the fucking head, in the neck, died right next to his wife. Secret service, unfortunately was unable to save him. And, uh, the, assumed assassin was Lee Harvey Oswald. I mean, they, they've done so many movies on that, you know, countless about what happened. And, uh, you know, they focused so much on that tragedy, which it was, but, uh, we didn't have a president for a minute. So Lyndon B. Johnson had to assume that responsibility. And, uh, in the blink of an eye, 
we had a new president, the 36th president of the United States. So I started to do some research on LB and see what was going on. And that's what led me to the title because for uh, myself being a black American or African American, I, I don't know. I've never been to fucking Africa, but um, it made me think of this because John F. Kennedy gets killed. If you do some research on Kennedy, he was trying to push for civil rights. People were con conspiracy theorists think that might have been a reason why he got killed. People think he got killed by the mob. No one knows. But he dies, and this gets put on Lyndon B. Johnson. And in one of the most fantastic things to happen for civil rights, next to the Emancipation proclamation in uh, the United States. And that is the civil rights act of 1964. He signed and fortified this in July uh, of 1964. And shit, he basically gave me the ability to do this fucking podcast. All these years, all these years later, uh, you know, desegregation, equal opportunities, civil fucking rights for blacks. Which is, again, next to the emancipation of fucking slavery, um, that was, that's, that's huge. That's fucking humongous. Um, that's a big deal. And then he invites all the, the leaders, uh, Reverend Martin Luther King, Whitney Young, James Farmer, they all come to the Oval Office, and this is a huge deal. I mean, they had a lot of resistance from the South, and, um, when, uh, Lyndon B. assumes the presidency, he kind of strong arms this bill through fucking Congress. And a lot of people credit him for his, uh, his hardball tactics to be able to pass this shit. And he kind of rams it through. Um, and boom, July 2nd, 1964, he fucking signs it in the law. Free at last, y'all. We get that shit. But, there is also something that Lyndon is doing in this process that in the end kind of negatively affects blacks to this very day. Now, granted, I mean, you, you, you want to fucking pick and choose. I mean, I obviously choose civil rights and freedom over fucking segregation and sitting in the back of the bus. Yes, that is true. I do appreciate these liberties that I am afforded. So I don't want to be a complete dick about this. However, there is something else happening. And that is the notion of the great society. Now it, listen, it, 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 in its beginnings, it is fucking a beautiful dream, right? This is the fucking, you know, everybody has the White House. Everybody has everything that they need to be able to achieve their dreams in the United States. And it, it's, it's great. I mean, it, it makes sense on the surface. But within this great society, he also decides to do something. He decides to start a war 
he decides to declare war. Now, I'm not talking about Vietnam, although that fucking war was horrible. I'm talking about the war on poverty. And I think this war is where the bane on blacks begins. So now Lyndon Johnson decides to start this war on poverty in the State of the Union address. Now he proposes legislation basically trying to have the national poverty rate around 18, 19%. And he establishes all types of programs and federal funds targeted at poverty. Now, why do I bring this up? And what does this have to do with the bane on blacks? Is because in this process, he expands on the New Deal and creates a fucking welfare state, a new state in the United States, the welfare state. Now, how does this affect black people negatively? Well, because of fucking welfare and food stamps and dependency on the government's tit milk to assist them out of their poor states. Now, granted, I'm not talking about elderly. I'm not talking about children. I am not talking about disabled or sick or completely true disadvantaged people. But I am talking about the ones that can do more. Now, of course, I, I got to go look up numbers and shit because I got to see, man, am I just fucking talking bullshit or is this is this really legit? Now, I'm just saying personally, I've I've seen what the welfare state has done. I've seen how it keeps individuals in uh, a sense of 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 fucking bondage by having to rely solely on what the state is giving you, whether it's food stamps, whether it's fucking Section 8, and how that system keeps them locked into that system. No incentivization to get up and go do more. No incentivization to get up and go be more. The government will take care of your housing. The government will take care of your food. The government will take care of your transportation. The government is taking care of everything to the point where you can no longer do anything. Anything. So I go look up from BrandonGale.com 15 welfare statistics by race state and payments there are approximately 12.8 million americans on welfare accounting for 4.1 percent of the u.s population an estimated 131.9 billion is spent by the government each year on welfare welfare demographics and this is where my point comes across following percentages are recipients of welfare based on race guess who is on the fucking top of the list now it, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm to be honest. It's marginal. It's by a marginal number, but it's still on top. Thirty-nine point eight percent of welfare recipients are black. Okay, that's almost forty fucking percent are black. Now, in a, in a second, in a not so distant second, thirty-eight point eight 
are white. And then 15% are Hispanic, 2% are Asian, and 3% are listed as other. Now, the average duration of time spent on welfare. The below percentages are based on the time frame welfare recipients receive assistance. So, less than 7 months, 19%. 7 to 12 months, 15.2%. 1 to 2 years, 19.3%, 2 to 5 years, 26.9%, and over 5 years, 19.6%. So the most alarming numbers that come out of this to me are this. So 2 to 5 years, time frame on welfare, 26.9%. Over five years, 19.6%. So you're saying, what, 46, 47% of people are on welfare between two years and longer? And out of that number, 40% are fucking black? That is the bane that I am talking about. That is the injustice part of this that I am talking about. And again, I am not saying that Lyndon B. Johnson did this purposely but within this great society and this war on poverty all of this additional funding and programs were put in place now they also have stats where states with higher welfare recipients than employed now now listen to that states with higher welfare recipients than employed that means that in a specific state more people are collecting fucking welfare then have a job. Now, number one is California. Based on this list, number two is New Mexico. Number three is Hawaii. Number four is Mississippi. Number five is Alabama. Number six is South Carolina. Number seven is Illinois. Number eight is Kentucky. Number nine is Ohio. My lovely state of New York is number 10. At least we in the top 10, y'all. At least we in the top 10. I feel that. Go get welfare, y'all. Top 10, New York. And number 11 is Maine. Now, they also have stats on top states with increasing welfare. As cash assistance programs have been cut, the number of food stamp recipients have grown in all 50 states in the United States. The top 10 states with the highest rate of change are listed. Now, granted, I don't know if this, I'm assuming that this change based on what they're saying is a direct increase. I don't know why they worded like, worded it like that in the end, but, uh, first is Idaho. Second is Nevada. Third is Indiana. Utah is fourth. Wisconsin is fifth. Maryland is sixth. Massachusetts is seventh. Georgia is eight. Washington is ninth and Delaware is 10th. So, so under this, they have a U.S. food stamp statistic graph. So this is so these stats are based on the U.S. food stamp statistics. So this is how many people actually receive food stamps, or um, it's EBT cards or something like that now. So this graph basically gives you a depiction by million. So uh, I'm not going to read the you know two million and eight hundred and ninety-seven thousand three hundred and sixty-two. I'm not going to read that. I'm just going to say point million based on the numbers that are posted but understand this you are going to see the increase between um, 1969 to 2011 of people using food stamps so 1969 you have 2.8 million 
So the next listing is 1980. You have 21 million. 1990, it goes down. It goes to 20 million. Then in 2000, it goes down again. It goes down to 17 million. But then from 2000 to 2007, goes back up to 26 million. And then from 2007 to 2011, it goes to 44 million people that are on food stamps. 44 million people that are on food stamps. This is, I'm gonna let that shit sit. I'm gonna let that fucking sink in. 44 fucking million people on food stamps. Now, you could, shit, do the math. 40% of 44 million. Oh, those people are fucking black on food stamps. So based on the percentage of population, they're, they're showing that 14.3% of the, the population are receiving some sort of assistance and they haven't listed on the next graph by actual states and the type of, um, state spending that increases based on the assistance that's needed. So why do I bring this all this shit up and why is it a bane? Well, it, it's a bane on blacks, I think, uh, cause I kind of agree with a, um, with a Nobel prize winning, uh, economist by the name of Milton Friedman. And, uh, I mean, listen, if you got time, please Google this man or please go on YouTube and put his name in, man. He's he's on point. He's got some really good, um, you know, examples on how this system is really set up to fucking fail. But um, he talks a lot about, you know, public housing. And um, he basically says that things like rent control make it une uh, uneconomical for landlords to be able to you know, maintain adequate levels of, um, you know, respectable fucking housing for, for poor people. Like you can't do it because the state is involved. So what they do is they're giving you the bare minimum. And, uh, his, his real main objection with public housing is the fact that it makes housing conditions worse for the poor and not better. And if you think about it, I mean, I've been to, to the projects like housing projects, that shit ain't sweet. That shit is fucking disgusting. And usually it's that way. You know, people blame the people that live there. No, man, that like that shit is controlled by the state. So, you know, what the state does is they say, listen, this is, this is the bare minimum of what we have to do to keep, this, you know, this building operational within our own guidelines. And that's exactly what they fucking do, man. Uh, they keep it, you know, barely operational. So there's no free market or, or capitalistic, you know, um, incentive for them to do anything better. They just say, listen, here's your spot. And there you go. Um, also too, if you think about it, what happens is when these police, when, when these low income houses, um, get, uh, tore down, it, it, it's never replaced with another low income housing development. What happens is they build some fucking high rise condos and then they reallocate all these people to another shitty area. So it's funny cause I experienced this shit pretty much secondhand, like where I, 
used to live. I knew people. The, the projects wasn't fair, far from where I grew up. So I watched them do this shit. And then, boom, they tear it down, build some some high rise condominiums and, and condos and sweep everybody out. And then basically um, relocate them to other low income areas. And then the cycle continues. So it, it's crazy, man. Like th- this dude, Milton, Milton Freeman kind of knows what he's talking about. Also, um, the other thing a lot of people have to make a decision when when they're at this poverty level. Um, people can be right at the line of qualification to either qualify for the assistance or overqualify. So now you got to make a choice. You know, people are saying like, shit, I'm, I'm, I make $5 to $10 more then the qualification of, of, uh, public assistance allows. So I should fucking quit because I can make more money by staying home. And when you see these numbers, you, you look at these stats and you say, well, how come, uh, black, um, usage of, of fucking food stamps or whatever is at 40% or, or black welfare is at 40%? Uh, white, white people on welfare is at 38 and a half percent. Those numbers are that high because this is an incentive to fucking stay home. Also too, welfare, it kind of destroys an individual's independence. Like you're getting something for nothing and it's a fucking trap. So when you have a state that's, that's basically doing everything for you, giving you your, your food with food stamps, giving you your fucking housing with, with section eight and public housing at some point, your decision-making fucking atrophies because you, you're not making the decision on where you live. Cause they decide that for you. You know, they, they're telling you how much money you can spend on food because they're giving it to you. So all of these things just leads to a, a vicious cycle. And it, it's weird because what led me into doing this, was the whole discovery of LBJ on the one side, you're saying, wow, great fucking civil rights bill. Yay. Obviously means a lot to fucking me. But then the other side of that is the great society. And and within that society, a welfare state that's created, you know, (laughs) it's, it's like, I I don't know, man. It, It just, it gives you a funny feeling. You know, I know the intent was, was good. But the results were were fucking horrible. So again, I'm I'm not gonna sit down and say, you know, that the the, the system is rigged, um, because that's not true. But it, it 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 again it incentivizes people to not do anything, to just stay home and chill. So, you know, Trump recently, uh, in April of 2018 tried to do his version of welfare reform. So he he signed an executive order reducing poverty in America by promoting opportunity and economic mobility. And what this does is it basically forces federal agencies uh, to enforce work requirements and basically propose additional stronger requirements and find savings and um what he asked for is all of the major departments, treasury, agriculture, commerce, labor, health and human services, housing, urban development. They, he gave them 90 days and he said, 90 days, 
we got to figure out how we're going to fix this. So um, <clears throat> that was three months in April. And I think they actually came up with some some major reforms. So a lot of the work requirements are going to change. And hopefully that will incentivize people to get really back out there and 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 make the decision to say, you know what? Fuck this system, man. Like, like, fuck this welfare system, man. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. You know, I know it's tough. I'm not. Listen, I, I, I came from from a home where that shit was important. I'm not even going to lie, but it, it was it was incentivized. Right. Like people are making decisions. Do I go to work or do I stay home and get this money? And you know what? It, it sucks because you see the numbers in, in the last fucking 20 years or whatever. You go from 20 million to 40 something million. You go you go from 20 million to 40 something million. That's crazy. So um, that's how I feel about this. LBJ, Lyndon B. Johnson, you tell me. This is Mandy Controversial. You know where to reach me. You can reach me on the tweet machine at MandyControl1. And you can reach me via email at Controversity2020.com. Mandyverse out. Don't ever let somebody tell you you can't do something. You don't understand. Freedom. But you gotta be willing to take the hits and not point the finger saying you ain't where you wanna be. <laughs>